You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read the following statement. Jennifer from Illinois called in with this question. On the Signal to Noise episode featuring the best roasted duck recipes, Chris Leonard said I should add two tablespoons of curry powder. Did he in fact mean two teaspoons? Well, Jennifer, judgment of any system exists in an irrational or metaphysical or at least epistemological contradiction to an abstract phenomenological empirical concept such as being. Welcome back to the Sickles to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. We have Kyle Chernside in the house. That's me. And Michael McGregor Lawrence in the house. I got so inspired by Matt that I think I'm going to just try on a bunch of middle names until I find one that I like. Yeah, I mean, it's not as cool as Brian, you know. I mean, Kyle and I have that going at least, but, uh, you know, so it's all good. Um, I just can't pull. I will never be as cool as you and Kyle, so I have to do what I can. So I like like the McGregor thing. We got St. Paddy's Day coming up. McGregor is a fine Irish name. (laughs) <laughs> so a uh, couple housekeeping things uh, we started the discord server if you haven't joined already or if you're in the discord I'm new to it it's been fun I figured out tonight how to well Michael told me how to video chat in it tonight so that was cool he's um, learning progress is being made should we yeah. put up a link in the Facebook group too yeah we'll do that again we've done it already but we'll do it again for sure and uh, yeah join a Facebook group if you haven't already we got a great community there um, you know but I I wanted to get to real talk first before we get into whatever shenanigans we may or may not get into tonight. So, you know, I, I may have, you know, busted Kyle over or laughed a little bit about how he's like into Justin Bieber, right? Um, but I, I have a confession to make in that. Love the uh, Biebs. Yeah. I um, I have an ins- new insane amount of respect for that dude. Um, listening to his song, Lonely. Um, that is one of the most heartfelt, sincere songs that I've heard an artist put out in a long time. And I can't, I've listened to repeat and try to put my head into his headspace on what it took for him to write the song. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to it. It'll make complete sense. Um, I got to say, I mean, we woke up, I was funny when I got up this morning, there was a thread going on about, uh, how great Justin Bieber is and how much you guys both like him. And I, I did not think that my morning was going to go that way. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> such a, such a cool song too. Cause it's only like two minutes long. It's just like a whirly style organ and him singing. And that's it. It's like, but it talks about deep oh, as shit. I mean, you love know, the talks about, you know, and the music video that goes with it, uh, is like, it's Justin Bieber watching like his kid self come out on stage and kind of, you know, he's reflecting on like what it was like to be a kid pop star and all. Anyway, it's go listen to it. It's it's worth. Um, We've reached our our Bieber curfew. Uh, the, no, yeah, no, yeah, they, the 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 send it off to the whole text message was we need to get Pooch and Biebs to come on. Try to get him on the show. Uh, on the show. Not that's not what we have going on in the show tonight. Uh, our guest tonight is it's not Justin Bieber. Kyle, uh, who's our guest? So we met a long time ago, and it was crazy because uh, it was during my stint in Springfield, Missouri. Um, I, I met these kids that wanted to kind of start a band, and I had just left a band in St. Louis, and um, I was newly into like a 
hardcore and punk rock style stuff. I got away C- from the kind of like thing. Bieber, kind of like Bieber, you know, kind of. Yeah. Like it was my own Bieber, and uh, I met this dude named Ash, and um, we went up to his house in uh, Camden, Missouri. Was it Camden? Yeah, and uh, we had band practice, and I've I've stayed in touch with him for a long time. Uh, he's had quite some travels. Uh, he is now the president of Heil Sound, and uh, my friend from across the river over in Illinois, uh, I guess Fairview Heights, I call it Belleville because everyone, it's not even in Belleville, it's, it's Fairview Heights, Illinois. Ash Levitt is on the show with us tonight. Hello. Yay. Yay. I feel like I can't match that Justin Bieber bar. <laughs> We're going to try few, to Few that. can, but you know, I think that's, that's okay. You just have to come to peace with that, though. You know, that's that's your own battle to fight. Well, back in back in the hardcore punk days, Kyle wanted to add that whirly organ stuff. And we're like, no, nah, it's not going to work. Yeah, not going to happen. Not going to work. <laughs> nobody wanted to carry it. That was the no, problem. That's right. <laughs> there was you, nobody had. A it's your turn to time. slough in the B3. It was. Were, you, were you the singer, Kyle? Yeah, it yep. was. It was awful. Um, And Ash hated it. Ash hated it because the three, the two other band dudes were like, we're like, what are we going to name the band? And you're going to probably have to bleep it, but it was Butt F- Onion Ring. And, oh, this um, can't be good. And, and it wasn't good at all. And Ash was like, we can't be serious with a name like that. And my uh, roommate at the time was the owner of the juke joint down in Springfield. And uh, he actually, there was like a local show and we were opening for it. And he was like, Butt F- Onion Ring. But they bleeped out the f- And I think I made one shirt one night and threw it out it was pretty bleak everything about that band was bleak but it was super fun we had a good time it was excellent marketing though because somebody made fake flyers for that you remember that and then then our first show so the the actual band name was called my own idea which is also a terribly dated sounding name but that aside whoever made these flyers up there were so many people that came to the show having no idea what they were about to see which was also like a low bar it's like a justin bieber bar for for what we did with that <laughs> yeah. based on based on xerox flyers yeah think southwest missouri ish bald knobbing real close to branson maybe some arkansas people around that's that's the bar that was set for it it's true so um the cool thing about it is i've been in touch with you for a long time and you've pretty much traveled and went and done a, a lot of different stuff but always had you and your wife have always had a strong connection with music and i kind of i use you as a um platform to find new stuff i even called you today to get some things i needed to listen to but you guys left st louis and went to college in buffalo right well no so i was i was in springfield for college and that's where michelle went to um so we both went to school on jazz scholarships. So I played guitar, Michelle played saxophone, um, and we actually met at band camp, which sounds like a terrible joke. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the beginning of a joke. Yeah. But yeah, and um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how that whole thing started. And I, I don't even remember how Kyle and I met, actually, because, I mean, it was through the band, but I can't I can't actually remember like who said, hey, here's this guy who's like, 10 years older than you guys he'll sing in your band we're like okay <laughs> that'll be great who's that old guy why am i always the we, old guy in everybody the time, yeah. everybody calls you dad your name yeah. your nickname Pretty was soon dad you're gonna be old enough to get interviewed on how he got loud i think it's yep. not too far off yeah. actually um be one of krista's kids interviewing me yeah they, they used to they used to call me dad and then the not waving with drowning kids this other band that i toured with call me grandpa oh that's even worse so, yeah. 
So, yeah, Kyle, great. I don't think I ever told you this, but I got a, a chat message on Reddit the other day, and it just said, Dad, is that you? And somebody thought, I said, I mentioned something, must have mentioned something about the, my podcast or something like that, and they, they assumed that whatever, based on whatever I said, that I was you. And I was like, no, I'm not Kyle, but I, I know Kyle. <laughs> I, <laughs> so, I answered many things. <laughs> I was like, really? You're one degree. You're really close. Almost, Kyle. <laughs> so you have a, a psychology degree, too, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So so I went to school on a jazz scholarship. Um, I actually went to school to do broadcast. So when I was in Springfield, I was actually being a DJ for an alternative rock station there. And then I realized I don't want to do this. So I switched to psychology because... That made sense to me. And, uh, because you wanted to do monitors down the road, so you figured you needed yeah. a technology degree. To, yeah. yeah, and so then I went I went to um, grad school, and then Buffalo was for a postdoc. And so I had a grant, and I did research. and But I was still doing music stuff the whole time. I was playing in bands. Uh, you know, we were always down at clubs at night, you know, talking to front house engineers, uh, artists, you know, kind of always doing things with Heil Sound. So like doing artist relations stuff or doing other other types of things, helping helping get that professional mic line off the ground when it was when it was still new. And so all of those things were kind of happening in parallel. And then I just got to a point where I was like, okay, I kind of need to just pick one or the other. And this was a natural thing for me right now. So I came back to Heil Sound full time. But I had but I had actually worked um for Heil Sound when I was a teenager in high school, like soldering microphones, building products, packaging products, stuff like that. So it's kind of weird because, you know, when it happened, um, about a third of the people that knew me only knew me from psychology stuff and they didn't understand a third of the people knew me from only Heil sound stuff. And they're like, wait, don't you already work for Heil? And it's, and then people like Heil are like, oh, this makes perfect sense. You know, what took you so long? How, how much has changed from the 17 year old Ash, their soldering to modern day president of Heil. I mean, it, it's, that's what we talked on the phone. It's like still a fairly small company. You guys, you guys handle it, man. Yeah. I mean, we are, we are much smaller than I think people think we are, um, which is, has its strengths, but it has, its, you know, it can, it can have some uh, complications at times too. But yeah, I mean, what's changed? I don't know. I still view it kind of the same way because if I'm able to see it from all aspects from building products to um, working with professionals and artists to, you know, understanding what needs to happen with the business, then I think I have a, a unique way to look at all of that. So it's not just, it's not just one aspect and then you're kind of missing the other stuff. And I think I see that sometimes with other companies or friends that I know in the industry where somebody has an idea or they want to do something and they, they always kind of meet a brick wall and we don't really have that issue uh, at Heil. So it's, it, it works out well for me. And it's kind of funny that you asked what changed. Cause you know, a couple of months ago, we had a whole bunch of employees out with COVID and I was right back in there soldering. Like it was, you know, like I was back when I was a teenager. So it's, some of it just never leaves, you know? I think it's, I think it's so cool. I came out and helped during the COVID relief to get you guys caught up at the end of the year. And yeah, we were, it was, we it were was hurting so there for a little bit. Uh, Ash took me on a tour of the building and the pride in him when he was like, this is the new part of the warehouse. This is the <laughs> other part of the warehouse. Like this wasn't here before. It used to stop right here. Like you guys have definitely expanded. I mean, 
obviously Heil in the heyday was more broadcast stuff. And then there was some loudspeakers and mixers, which I got to take a picture of. I thought yeah. was kind of cool. And then the focus went back to the, um, the microphone bit of it. But wow, there is pretty much a, a history in Heil. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's kind of a, a I mean, there's a, a long, rich history, but to someone that is not familiar, it might seem a little, little meandering too. Um, Bob Heil, and for those who don't know, is a pioneer in a lot of ways, a, a massive innovator in professional sound. I mean, uh, from things like the talk box and other guitar effects to the quadraphonic mixer that he did for the Who and like modular mixers, like and PA speakers, all that stuff was that he started in the late 60s, early 70s, a lot of that didn't exist the way that we take it for granted now. Like, you know, with his, he kind of got his start because he was, uh, he had a music store and he carried stock of stuff at the time that, that nobody else really did. And so people came, this was in Marissa, Illinois, which is still a, a tiny little town. And all these pros would come into town. Some would fly like little planes into cornfields just to go shop at his shop. And then they would take off again. And uh, Kyle, I don't know if you know the story, but like, Basically, he got a call one day, and the Grateful Dead was in town, and they were coming. They were coming from New Orleans to St. Louis, which is basically just you know straight north, and on a riverboat. Right, the band. They were, so they were playing at the Fox Theater. So I don't. Most people don't know, but the Fox Theater in St. Louis. I mean, it's a super nice theater, and if you can imagine the Grateful Dead or any kind of rock concert there, it's just it's just a weird juxtaposition. So the band made it. The crew and all their gear got confiscated by the DEA. So. Oh. Um, they they get there with no gear, no nothing, and they call Bob and they said, "Hey, we heard you have these PA, you know, rig. You need to bring it over here right now." There, I mean, that was back in a day where those things were not installed in places like they are now. There was no mobilization, right? He basically had to like get a bunch of trucks, get a bunch of guys, go over there, sh- chain everything up, while all these hippies are just like getting getting high hanging in the out. seats, you know? Yeah, just hanging out and drum circles breaking out uh, like, yeah like you're trying to set up gear at least one <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and that was that was kind of the start of what he did and then he ended up just kind of falling into it like that jerry garcia actually named heil sound as the story goes because his his music store was called ye old music shop um and jerry garcia said no one's gonna remember that he's like what's your name he said bob heil and he goes heil sound and that's the story that i've always heard so I, I would just like wow. to assume that that's Super true because cool. that's that's pretty cool, yeah. So and then he that's went cool. he went on the road with the Who and um, Humble Pie and the James Gang and uh, try to can't even think who else the Grateful Dead. I mean all all these bands did all this stuff and then in the early '80s just kind of shifted gears and he Bob Hiles always had a big interest in amateur radio, kind of took the company full in that direction. And uh, Joe Walsh, who's who's a ham radio operator and a good friend of Bob's, in the mid to late '90s, said, "Hey, I want you to take this ham mic that you guys built and change it so that I can use this for my live vocals." And he did, and that started the whole current line of our PR series microphones. And the rest is history. So it's kind of weird. It was like we were in yeah. the pro sound industry, kind of out for a bit, back in it, and it's and it's kind of you know it's not. We're not doing the same things that they did in the 70s, but it's, you know, a meandering history, but it's a pretty rich history, too. So I'm curious, were you ever involved in any, like, the R&D side of products that came out? And what was that? 
Yeah. Um, a little bit, but well, for the microphones, obviously not for the the older stuff, but um, a little yeah. bit, and mostly from kind of I. One of the things that I did a lot was, I guess you could say, I was kind of like a liaison between um, artists and people that were using the microphones, and then what Bob was doing with the designing. Right. So we would hear from artists and they would say, well, we want this kind of thing, kind of like what Joe did with Bob directly, right? But this would be with other people. And then once we started having more microphones out in our line, kind of getting feedback with how people were using them, because sometimes Bob would uh, have a have a very, I don't know how I want to say it, like he would have a vision for what he wanted a microphone to be, like the PR40 that Kyle's using right now. He Bob designed that for broadcast, right? But then all these live sound guys started using it for kick drum or bass cabinet or whatever. And so then we started oh, no. seeing, yeah. So we started seeing that, like, okay, there's these people want this for this application, other people want it for different applications. Getting that kind of feedback was, um, that was kind of what I was doing with Heil Sound when I was doing other career things, right? So giving that feedback really helped the design of some of the microphones that came later in that series so that people were basically getting getting what they wanted when they were using them and that's that's really how we still work now that yeah, that leads it, me oh sorry well no, I was saying, it's it's funny interesting correlation that last week's episode with Matt Lawrence and how he's able to kind of bridge the gap of, you know, technically being a salesperson for Avid, yet he was a touring guy for so long, and yet he's able to be so relatable because he could do both sides. And it seems like a very consistent, you know, theme here in that, like, you can relate both to, you know, an engineer trying to design a piece of electronics for the actual application and kind of marry the gap of of what's really needed. Yep. I mean, that's that's the whole thing, though, right? Like, if you want to design stuff that's, good and useful to people in the field you have to understand the context in which it's going to be used and it's very clear to me on the you know what gear on the market was designed by people who understand the work and what gear on the market was designed by people who don't you know yep. i i love how heil did it too because i even got a call from ash when he was in buffalo i forgot who i was out with but he was like hey man i want you to try out a couple microphones and it, it was cool because we started talking more because it was like he moved, we moved, we were moving, but um, rekindling our, our talks back and forth and with his wife, Michelle, it was like their interest in artist was kind of like Bob's back in the day. I mean, they are probably two of the biggest music fans I know. Like Ash probably has more vinyl records that I would want to take home with me than just about anybody on this planet. But um, I think that's where they put them themselves in the market in the music industry was like visiting artists, talking to front of house people. Like that's that's where I sh saw Ash for like the last six years as I'd go to a show and he'd be hanging up a banner and talking to the front of house guy. And, and you were getting the bands that were almost there, like that were almost getting ready to break. And then I like how you guys worked with front of house people instead of what artists they were with. And that leads me into the, uh, the BW stuff. Yeah. I mean, so I guess that, I guess that's not always common for some, some other people or some other companies, but for us, it's just natural. It, it doesn't make sense any other way, right? Like if, if you, if you want to figure out what your users want, like then you go to the users, right? And, and it's kind of funny because in a lot of times, the artists themselves, even though they're they're actually using the microphone, they, I wouldn't necessarily consider, you know, them to be the 
the driving force behind why they're using that gear, right? I mean, some artists are. Some artists are, are pure gearheads, right? And that's fantastic. But when you're a gearhead yourself, you want to talk to the other gearheads and vice versa, right? So and those are the front of house engineers, right? Those are the monitor engineers. That's what they're thinking about all the time. They're like, what gear can I use to fix this problem for me right now or for this specific application, right? Especially for... Um, well, I guess I guess it goes two ways. For the front of house engineers that are actually touring with a band, right? They they need a specific set of things. But also the front of house engineers that are that are more or less permanent in a venue, right? So they have different groups coming through all the time and some band comes in and says, I want to mic a, a cello this way, or you know, and then the next night it's just like a, a DJ, right? You know, it's like they have to know a a broader tool set, so to speak, right? And so being able to talk with them and to get their their needs and their wants and their desires and all this stuff and to be able to communicate back communicate that back to um, you know someone like Bob who would who would be putting in the engineering with that that's that's crucial and without that it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense but again I think it I think I'm a I'm a gearhead for other stuff I'm a I'm a guitar player I I just I received a new synthesizer in the mail yesterday like I just like yeah. I like gear and I want and I want gear. And so I know what it's like to talk with people where, you know, they're focused on the gear. And that's usually the engineers. It's, it's sometimes the artists. I get real excited when it is the artist, but we've also dealt with artists that, you know, they don't, they don't actually know what they're using, but their front of house engineer does. I'm glad you said that, Ash, because, it, you know, it's so funny when I see a lot of people, particularly younger people, when they're just starting to get interested in audio, they're on a forum and, hey, I'm looking at Lady Gaga and what mic is she using, right? And oftentimes like you said there's been a lot of discussion between her crew to figure out what mic should we give her and even you know at a small local level i mean i've had a lot of conversations with kyle about my female lead vocalist and what what's not working and what's working and he actually i mean he ended up hooking me up with some pr 37s for my band and we love them yeah awesome. um but you know that was the the end result of a lot of discussion and a lot of me carefully listening to the multi tracks and uh you know so so there's there's often a lot of uh you know there's discernment that goes into that decision so it definitely makes a lot of sense you know we tend to look at the artist and what they're what they're holding on to but you know we sometimes overlook the you know the all the background behind why they're holding on to that particular tool. Right. I, I like I like the workbox idea too because you're right. The house people always have the worst selection of mics, and for you guys to go in and add to whatever selection they have gives someone a choice when they get there, and I think that's super cool because a lot of people will hear about it like at some point you know, PR 20, PR 22, super utility microphones, they should be in everybody's case, you know, just to pick up and, and give a shot. Like, um, that's how I tried a lot of the microphones and I started, you know, uh, the, the 35 I used with, with fallout boy for a while because of the handling noise. And, um, it, it was cool to be able to try out that stuff and be able to show it to people in house situations and go, Hey man, this might be the right mic for you guys. Look, look what happens to your other one. You know, um, I I have probably the biggest mixed bag of, of different manufacturer microphones in, in my case, and I love it. Um, I, I don't see how someone can go with, oh, I want X brand's full package. Like, I like every microphone they make. I, I, I like to 
have a little mismatch of everything. And I think at the club level, that's important for all those kids and the engineers that can't bring their own to have a choice like Heil in their box. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of that point. There's a there's a local venue in St. Louis called The Pageant, which is a great venue, and they got great people there. And we we have a basically they have a lot of our mics that they use there in their mic locker, but then they also keep stock of our stuff. And so that what Kyle was just talking about happens all the time, where somebody comes through, they're using something because it's whatever it's utilitarian or or it's the status quo. They're not happy with it, but then they can try something new whatever it is, you know, and then be able to get it there and just walk out with it, especially on tour, because it's very difficult to get some of that stuff on tour. But to be able to have those extra tools at your disposal, I think is is absolutely amazing if you can do it. So I'm curious, and I didn't realize this until I just happened to read your website. <laughs> um, the um, so it says uh, Bob has a firm stance on designing only large diaphragm dynamic mics, no condensers. Can can uh, is that is that still true? Is it, so you guys don't have any condensers and they all large diaphragm? Yeah, so not for so there's this point gets this point gets Sorry. carried this point gets carried away I, I sometimes. I didn't mean to like bring up a, a touch No, 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 no. Asterix. It's totally fine. It's um I think I think when where a lot of that came from is for live sound so in in bob's opinion um there's in live sound there's not much of a need for a condenser and i don't want to speak for him because he he would he would do an entire podcast with you about that if, <laughs> if you want to um I'm ready oh, wait. but i mean but everybody here knows i mean that may there is a good amount of sense to that right i mean especially in terms of of bleed stage volume things like that right i mean like it, it dynamics are going to help you make your life a lot easier on a live stage that does not mean that Bob is like 100% against condensers, especially in like a, a you know a high end condenser in a studio, something like that. That's not that's not what that is. But what what he was really going for in the design of those mics with the large diaphragm and attention to other details is that you can get really close to that condenser like sound with dynamics if you, if it's designed properly. And and a lot of um, a lot of the front of house engineers that use our mics on everything on the stage, they'll use the PR30, which I'm talking to now for drum overheads, right? Instead of condensers or something like that. And it can, and it can work. If it's done right, you can expand those applications beyond what the status quo is. And I think that's basically what Bob's point is. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, I mean, I like what you're saying, Kyle, like, you know, I, I will never be like, I want the whole, X or Y brands just send me the whole thing. And that's what we're going exclusive. I, I believe very strongly in having the right tool for the job and it's the right tool for the job or the wrong tool for the job. And the logo on the front doesn't change that. So, you know, I like, I like being familiar with, you know, the range of products that are on the market. And often I go, look, this isn't, this is not the right tool for what I'm trying to do, but I know about it. And then a year later when another thing comes up, I'm like, Hey, remember that thing? I think this might be the time to use that. Um, so I'm really into like, let's understand what the options are. And also let's talk to people who are, how do other people solve this problem? I just got an email, you know, hey, what what mic should I put on my, my Leslie? Like, I, I wanna hear from five of my peers what mics they're putting on Leslie's and why. And, and you know, that, that stuff's important. So I think for the people who are listening, you know, who are uh, spending some time thinking about the mic choice thing, like talk to your peers and find out what they're using. 
and it's never the definitive answer, but there's probably a reason that they picked it. So I, you know, I, I enjoy that dialogue about why a certain tool is being used and what are the aspects of it? What are the drawbacks of it? I mean, that's an important conversation to have. I think one of the things I like about um, some more, let's call it boutique company like Heil is um, the people who are like super into like Heil microphones. Like anytime someone is like super into a boutique company, like they are, the passion that they bring when they want to like talk, like, oh, have you heard this microphone? You know, and like they want to like talk about, like, I remember this guy, Ishai Ratz, who worked with me at Maryland Sound or whatever, and he was, and this was, you know. Wait, he was in my smart class today. No kidding. What are the are odds you, of that? Yeah, are you he, serious? He brought his pipe. He was smoking his pipe yes! in class. It was crazy. Yes! Does, does, hold on. Yes! Does, does he work in DC? Yeah, at the Warner. Yeah, I know him too. Tell Ishai oh, I said hello. All right, so hold on. Right, so, I mean, uh, I started at MSI back in, I don't know, 2004-ish or something like that. And he had already been there for, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years, long, long time. He'd been around a while. Um, but that was like my first introduction to Heil was when, you know, he had a couple of them and like, he was all, oh, you got to see this microphone, you know? And like, he's a big Israeli dude. Um, and, uh, and what I, I love the passion that people get behind kind of more some of like these boutique companies. Ash, do you see that often you get some like this, like kind of cult following around, you know, some of your engineers that you work with and, and bands and stuff? Yeah. I mean, we, I, we definitely have that. And I think that, I think that goes for, for a lot of companies too, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see that. And, and, you know, it, a lot of the engineers we work with and a lot of the artists we work with are, are of the type like what you guys were just talking about right there there's a mixed bag our stuff is mixed in there with other stuff which is totally fine because if it you know as long as our stuff's getting used and it's, and it's making somebody's life easier and being the right tool for their job whatever that application is then we're happy but we also have bands and engineers that use all our stuff like there's there are no mics on the stage except for Heil mics and it's also really cool to see that it's a good it's a good feeling when you can look up on a stage especially a stage that has a big backline, right? And everything is a high on mic. Like that's that's an awesome feeling. Um of yeah, your labor. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to um, downplay or, or you guys' presence in the industry and this. Like, so I, that's not what I meant by no, 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 no. Like boutique, but yeah. Well, you know, uh, we don't we don't view ourselves as boutique. Like we're smaller, like Kyle said, but we don't view ourselves as boutique. And I think that's because, like, especially as a guitar player. Um, the companies that actually are boutique, like the like the custom guitar builders, the luthiers, the custom amp makers, those things are oftentimes viewed as unaccessible, either in terms of price uh, or okay. in terms, you know, like it's like okay, that. Right so, so we yeah, so that's I, I, wrong wrong choice of words. No, that's no, I, I'm not no no offense taken. I just I, we just don't think of ourselves that way because um, we just kind of think of ourselves as a, a small company. I mean, that's you know we 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 know where we're at in the market and we're we obviously want to grow and we want to expand, but we're, we're happy with that. And we've got, you know, we're, I think that's, it's beneficial for us because we can, we can kind of take steps and do things with some artists or engineers that they might otherwise get passed over by some other companies. Uh, But, you know, at the same time, you know, we have a a pretty large presence in, in a lot of spaces too. So I'm curious. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I would say it allows you to focus, you know, when you know, when you know that that's you know when you know maybe man i'm not trying to narrow things down but like you said just when you know the types of people who are using your stuff or whatever it's more focused go go ahead Mike. well no it's the same i mean ashton you're talking about hey it's really cool to see this 
whole backline out there and they're every single mic is a how mic like I, i'm interested in how you get to that point like do you look and say what what mics do we have for different purposes and we should develop a you know we 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 have a little gap here we want to develop a tool that does that like to flesh out your line of products so you offer enough tools that someone can do that i mean how do you kind of follow that back you know you you don't start off making 40 different mics i'm sure right. so you right yeah, I mean, the, it, a lot of that happened the way that I was talking about before, right? We would have a handful of mics earlier on the line, um, you know, a couple different vocal mics, a, a mic that could be used for other applications like a guitar cabinet or a bass cabinet. And then then once we started getting more of that feedback from artists and from engineers, then we're like, okay, well, maybe we actually don't need to develop something else because this one mic is being used for, you know, five different applications. But then there is that hole, like you were saying, where we need to develop something specifically for that. And and a lot of times that's happened with drum microphones or other things, or it'll be um, sort of an evolution of one of our current mics. So, so the PR 30 that I'm, that I'm using now, um, Bob Workman, who did front of house for Charlie Daniels for many years, like he loved that microphone, but it, but it's a longer body, right? So he wanted something shorter that he could use in, in tighter footprints. So he took one to, he's got a, he's got a, a shop at his house and he just he cut it like he cut it and re-welded it and rewired it so that it was out of phase and he does like all these like things to it and he sends it back to us and he goes make this and we're like okay <laughs> and so so that was <laughs> that was basically how the the pr31 bw which is which is for bob workman that's how that mic came up and he uses that mic on pretty much everything right like drums um you can you can stick it in between you know toms pretty well overheads underheads um i think i think we've heard people say like michael you mentioned leslie speakers that works great on that the um the keyboard is for uriah heap uses a couple pr31s on his leslie and so you know it's it things like that those are those are microphones that developed in a way that wouldn't have been possible without that connection to those people and then you just it just kind of evolves so yeah it's like you were saying we don't start with that but it's kind of evolved that way for us over time. And the 37 that you were mentioning earlier, um, that's our newest mic. And that evolved that way too. It evolved from the 35 and it happened with a bunch of different front of house engineers that were, they were beta testing that on the road with bands, right? So that was not, that was like developed out in the real world. It really wasn't developed in house for us. We knew what we wanted the body to be like and what we wanted it to look like, but, but the actual testing and all that stuff was done in the real world. And that's pretty much how we've always done those kinds of things when they when they really work out well for us and i think that's so important uh because a lot of people you know when they have thoughts about a product they just they'll go bitch about it on some forum somewhere and i'm like did you did you talk to the people that make this and share that feedback you know what i mean like we tend to think of manufacturers as these kind of like you know faceless megacorp you know uh just but they're people Right. And there are there are people whose whole job is to be product managers and to listen to the users and the requests and what people want it to do and how they think it could be improved. And that's that's somebody's whole job. So, like, if you have comments about a gear or, or you know, something that you, you would like to see a mic do, I mean, reach out to people. Right. I'm sure. I mean, you're this is exactly what you're talking about. Like, yeah, absolutely. it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, we get I mean, I'm sure every company does. We get comments all the time. You know, like this, you know, this works great. This doesn't work great. What about designing this? Um, and, you know, we get some comments that are that are less than helpful sometimes, you know, or it's like, you know, somebody just just kind of being a jerk. It's like, hey, you know, you should make this this color. That's dumb. And you're like, well, 
thanks. You know, we're not going to. Hey, Kyle's on the call. You shouldn't talk about him. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can't make every change that somebody wants. But but the the important things, the things we start seeing patterns for, we, we definitely listen to everything that we hear. You guys are really uh, hitting the podcast and the broadcast business right now, too. Uh, COVID. Uh, wasn't it uh, Sirius XM switched over? Yeah. Yeah, they've had they've had PR40s in their studios for a while now. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, and then the is podcasting stuff. Market? What's that? Is that a huge market now for you guys? Is the broadcast and podcast stuff? It's it's podcasting is absolutely a huge bit of our business right now, especially during the pandemic, right? I mean, obviously everything with live sound being shut down, you know, there was a there was a bit of a shift and then when that happened, we were surprised at how much some of the products that we had took off because everybody was buying stuff at home. All of the broadcasters that all of a sudden had to broadcast from home, they were all getting stuff, right? So like some of that really took off in um, some ways that we didn't exactly see coming. We we make a, a foam windscreen for the PR40 and the PR30 and what... That's I would not call that a perennial big seller for us, right? But when the pandemic hit and all these companies were buying these windscreens for people especially if they had to you know share mics those things we sold hundreds of them in like a day like it was just it was insane because it was we had dealers calling us saying none of the other manufacturers have these do you guys have these and we're like uh we've got a few left and they're like i'll take them all and that was just weird little <laughs> things like that during the pandemic um these things dude the the mic stands that you guys have yeah i had two other brands i had uh you know just a regular like on stage or whatever and then i had x manufacturer brand yours is the easiest to set up and it stays where you want and it's not noisy and it's got a little channel for the stuff to run down that's right we love um, it and i i want to say that's high praise because kyle is plagued by gear issues on this show he has had more meltdowns and failures and i think well, he's you know, always fighting something so it's you know it's <laughs> funny something be, that works you yeah know? because i and I, i'm glad you said that kyle because we we like to think that that works well that way but not everybody does but it's still strange to me you know having experience in broadcasting and then having friends that are still in broadcasting i was i was in the iheart studios in la before the pandemic uh, with a friend of mine that works there, and I just look around, you see all these huge booms that have all those external, the big external springs. Like it's just like a reverb tank, right? I mean, it's like why would you put those in a studio? <laughs> I don't get it because if you touch the table, the whole thing is just like boing. But yeah. anyway, that aside, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, these types of things have done really well for us with podcasting, uh, especially during the pandemic. Although they were doing well for us with that beforehand, but then. Now there's in that whole industry, there's kind of an unusual, I don't know, transition, I guess, for lack of a better word, where the broadcasters are engaging more in podcasts where they used to be really separate. And I think that now there's kind of this fluid gray area between the two. And a lot of those companies like iHeart, they're trying to get more into the podcasting space. And so I think it's a really interesting time for all of that. And, and the podcasting stuff is, it's it's just growing unbelievably still. So if you look in here, I know it's it's a murky crystal ball at this point, right? But looking in your crystal ball, I mean, a lot of times people will ask me, like, you know, what's the next big thing in loudspeakers or what's the next big thing in system DSP? What's the next big thing in microphones? Like, where do you, where do we go? What's the you know where do you see this technology evolving and what cool new stuff we're going to be able to do with microphones? I mean, where's that trend for you? I think some of it is just going to be in um, improving certain aspects as 
as microphones become more blended with digital technology, right? So a microphone, I mean, especially a, you know, a, a mic like what, you know, what I'm using is, is it's passive, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's something that it just literally transfers physical sound, right? But now everything that is being shifted digitally, whether it's you're talking about USB mics or whether you're talking about tech that is in a mic so that you can change like an EQ or stuff like that, I think those things are cool, right? Those things are necessary and they're part of where we're all going with gear. But if the microphone itself is still not good, it, that that tech's not going to save you, right? And some of and some of the digital conversion of whatever that analog signal is is also not going to necessarily be what some people want. And so what I think is going to be that the future of this is a blending of those two things, but to where it's done well and 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 probably for the actual microphone itself is just continuing to look for improvements to design, improvements to materials, and then blending that with the current technology, then you're going to have something that will be able to move forward. I think where things are right now is that you either have things that are, you know, again, relatively speaking, kind of old school, and then you have some things that are so new school, but they're kind of, they're kind of ignoring the old school parts, and you can't, you can't really have either. You need to have both. There you go. That's, that's a suspiciously well-delivered answer i really like that <laughs> thanks well, you know one of the one of the cooler products that i saw early on this goes back to ishai i'm uh, but hopefully he actually listens to this episode I, I don't know if he's ever heard, listened to this podcast but um the fin mic that you guys make that has yeah like, it, it looks like the old school short 55 ish but it's a little bit more of like a um I don't know how to describe it. It's got more like kind of elongated, but it has like a light up LED inside. Yep. Um, we did this, um, we recorded, I recorded for BET Jams. It was a TV station or channel or whatever back in the day. Um, I don't know if it still exists or not. Uh, but I, I recorded a whole series of show. Um, I don't know what it was called, um, but like, it was like a, uh, kind of like a sketch show, and so there was like a, it was like a, a poet who would do some stuff. There was a band. Um, the two biggest things I remember that one is we used that mic, the Finn, as like from like the stand up comedy and and poetry thing, just because it kind of looked cool from TV standpoint. Um, more importantly, so Bootsy Collins was somehow involved with the show. Uh, cool. and I don't know how, but he weed, yeah, maybe he, he was the weed dealer. Well, well, <laughs> well he, but he was a, a he was an audience member. I maybe he, I don't know if he was paid to be there or what. Who knows. But we recorded like you know the magic of TV. We recorded like three or four episodes in a day and did this across like a week to make like a whole season. So like he had to like change outfits and then move locations within the audience throughout the day to make it look like it was a new thing. Um, but whenever I see the fin, I think of that show. And this is a pointless story at this point. But Bootsy Collins and the fin, Mike, they're both cool. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I love Bootsy Collins. And if and yeah, the fin is um, one of our more as you know aesthetic oriented mics but it but it has the same you know the same sound quality like we don't we don't sacrifice that when we try to make something that looks cool it just happens to look cool and still sound good like i mean there there are plenty of people that can use that for um you know live vocal situations or for you know just to add that look for you know their their streaming their podcast whatever you know but yeah, like that. That mic was in the Hunger Games movies, and I saw it on Sesame Street the other day. It was kind of you know, it's, nice. it's weird. Like it, it pops up in places where you're like, "Hey, there's our stuff. That's cool." 
Yes, they're with child now, so Sesame Street's okay to talk about in public. Oh, it's, like, it's on all the time in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's Peppa Pig. It hasn't stopped in seven years. I'm Peppa Pig. Did you did you end up getting to go to the Peppa Pig show, Kyle? I know yes. you're trying to go for a while. How was it, man? Uh, well, was this it everything was, you dreamed of. <laughs> it was three years ago. It was it was pretty awesome. Like there was actual people dressed up like the thing pushing the thing around, and it just became part of the show. When you first saw it as a parent, you were like, "Oh, this is kind of corny." But then, as a child, it was the coolest thing because they were pushing around Peppa and Daddy Pig and George and everything. It was really cool, and um. The dude that was the stage manager got us backstage and we got the VIP with the picture with Peppa and the whole cast and everything. Kemper was losing her mind, but she was only like four, so she doesn't remember nothing. But I, I remember it. I'm not there yet, but I'm on deck. Our, our kid's only one and a half. So. so so speaking of pig, Ash. Yep. Where's your favorite place to eat? Oh. We're going that broad with it? That's, We're not even going to narrow it down? Yeah, that's, that's a tall Sorry. order. Uh, oh, what I mean, okay, fine. Lo- local, uh, what we, uh, Michael does this sometimes. If 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 we were to come visit you tomorrow and you're gonna go take us somewhere to eat, oh. where like, where's the place we gotta go? Oh, my but God. we're pay, so you don't have to worry about. I can't cost. Oh, I can't answer Sorry. that. That's that's Michael's tough. Time. That is so tough. Give me. Can you give me like a? All a, right. Well, a we'll type of food. Give me. Give me a. We'll give me a, back a, to it. Give me a food genre here. Tacos, sushi, pig, you know, uh, barbecue. I mean, you're a St. Louis you just, six. I mean, like, is yeah, pig so a, is pig a genre of food? It is for yeah. him. Yeah. No kidding. Well, I, I'm thinking barbecue. Well, I think pig. Barbecue. Okay. I, no, I got. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm tracking. I just it's barbecue. There, there's I, I, I was, taxonomy. I was really trying to segue Peppa Pig into barbecue, but I was. <laughs> I don't know. Be... If, I don't know if that's wise though. Yeah, that's. You're talking about a child icon here. Yeah, man. It's like <laughs> going from Big Bird to Chicken. Like, yeah, yeah, right. That you yeah. know. Yeah, Kermit the Frog Legs. Mm. So, so hit him up with the legacy then. Let's do that. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to answer this question though real quick. So barbecue. They're like, there's a ton of good barbecue places in St. Louis, but um, there is a place here called Beast, which is fantastic. It actually started in Belleville, Illinois, and then expanded into St. Louis, which is usually the opposite of what happens around here. Correct. And so if you were to come here, Kyle, have you had Beast? No, but I've heard oh, it. Oh, come I on. I yelped it. Oh, wait, you yelped it? Yeah, I was yelping barbecue places, and it came up in my thing. Oh, I thought you meant you like put a review on for oh, there. No, you hadn't yet. been there. I'm like, oh, you're one of those guys, like one star. No, I was searching out my future <laughs> eats after COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Beast. Beast is great if if we're talking barbecue. If we're going to go into another genre, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some time. Okay, before he does the legacy question, you and you and Michelle go to a ton of shows, man. What was did. the coolest? Did yeah, did of course. <laughs> what was what was one of the coolest ones that you walked away from in in a while pre COVID? That's really tough too, because I mean, I mean, it's like you said earlier, we listen that's to so what many. We do here tough questions. We listen yeah. to so many kinds of music that, like, I would need, I would definitely need music genres to answer that. The last, the last uh, couple concerts that we saw when michelle was pregnant before the pandemic was um uh mark giuliana's group so these are these are both jazz shows mark giuliana's group uh which he's fantastic if you are not familiar with him he's a drummer and uh his group was great and then literally the night night or two before that uh john pizzarelli who's another jazz guitarist um and he uses our mics and we went out and saw him that was those were two fantastic shows and it's and I think that I remember those the most now because 
when you when we were going to those shows at the time, we did not think those were going to be the last shows we went to for for a long time, you know. And um, but before that, uh, we sponsored microphones for the Psycho Las Vegas Festival, which is all like metal and yeah. and, and and like hard rock bands. So that that is also my bag, which is kind of strange if you know people who don't know me. It's like metal and jazz and synth stuff. <laughs> I wish I could scroll back quickly in the group text. That's what Kyle said. Like Ash is into some really weird music. That was what yeah. that was when I asked. I asked about hey, what yeah. do we need to know about Ash? And that was pretty much the only thing he told us. Not, well, really and coming from Kyle, like weird music, that's a whole different meaning when he's the one saying it because Kyle has very eclectic tastes yeah. already. Not, no, it's I, not. It's I, not. It's not. It's not like it's just. I would say it's varied. It's very, very varied. Tons of stuff. I dig that. All over the place. So yeah, so that I think that was those are the most memorable shows because those were the most recent and and I miss those days. I mean, I'm sure everybody does. I mean, we, you know, again working with with all those front of house engineers and artists. Like, I mean, I talk to some of them, you know, almost every day or every week, and it's just kills me. You know, it kills me that that so many of our not just the people we work with, but close friends are out of work and have been out of work for so long. And we want to get back to live shows super bad. I feel that it's coming. I mean, even here in the St. Louis area, I've heard rumors of May and June and it's all about preparation at this point and it's all for the greater good. So we'll take it with stride because we all want to get back. So I'm sure a lot of us will make some sacrifices that won't include our health. You know, we'll, we'll make sure that we do that right. And, and I think that's the focus. Let's do this right so they don't shut us down and everyone take it seriously. Well, we'll yeah, and the life. other thing is, like, I I have not been to anything since since those concerts that I mentioned. But, like, I wouldn't want to go back to a concert that's, you know, 10% capacity or what. Like, it's not the same experience. You know what I mean? I want, You want the experience to be right. You don't want it to feel forced and you don't want it to feel weird. You want it to feel natural. Um, but I do, I do miss physical sound waves pummeling me. <laughs> I miss that a lot. Yes. Legacy question. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Fire. Yeah, Roll it up, Chris. Roll I it up. You, people are going to catch on to this and just be prepared, I guess. What? Uh, yeah. What is it? And earlier today, I was thinking like I should go back and listen to some episodes no, and see no, if no, they it's do. Okay. I, okay. It's better when you, when you're caught off guard. Okay. So well, I, here, I, here I go. Okay. I'm off guard. So if, if, uh, it's, again, this is often something that people haven't thought about, so it's all good. Um, if you could define your legacy, what would it be? Like, how would you want to be known? Um, I kind of think, I kind of think it's what close to what I was just saying with, you know, listening to different kinds of music. I would want to be known, um, for somebody who was not just interested in, in a lot of different things, but, but actually had experience doing them. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times people are, they're interested in a lot of things, but I think sometimes they might be um, hesitant, I guess, to try out certain things. Right. But I've tried out a lot of things and had a lot of different experiences in my life. And I would like to be remembered as somebody that was able to navigate those and had a, and had a wide range of, of interest i guess that sounds weird is does anybody answer this question without sounding like 
egotistical. Nope. Okay, this no, is it, it's yeah. no. I the thing like I, it's introspective. I, yeah, introspective. Yeah. It's weird. Um, and and some people are afraid to like again like it does sound egotistical, but at the end of the day, like and it's not about you know sometimes I think the word legacy sounds like it has to be this grand esque thing. I think it's more of just a raw form of like, hey, if like, there's maybe two sides of it, right? There's like, um, <laughs> Chris, it's like idiocracy. It, like, she, she's a doctor. It's fine. <laughs> it, um, it's, it's okay. No, it just, it, you know, it's something that, you know, as you get later in life, you start to think about like, okay, like, what am I leaving behind? Or what, what, um, what would I want people to know or care about me or whatever? And, and so it's just something I thought about it. It's fun to see what, what matters most to people, and what they want to reflect upon others and, and stuff. So it's, I just like to see people, you know, most people haven't thought about it in those contexts. So it's fun to kind of pull it out. Yeah. Well, I don't know. How was my answer? What would be on your obituary? <laughs> What do you want on your tombstone? I don't know. I, I I will always know Ash as one of the coolest dudes. Like I said, his his taste in music is impeccable. Like if he tells you it's good, it's good, um, in its own way, and it'll grow on you. If you don't like, you're like, oh, this is awful. Wait a minute, how are they doing that? That is crazy. That is cool. Um, and and I'll always think of him as family because I, I I always felt super welcome when Michelle moms like the whole nine yards and and it's not a boutique company by by any stretch of the means you guys are legit yeah, I, apologize. I apologize for that word I didn't <laughs> like, mean to <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna crucify you again I, I think it's awesome <laughs> the pride and the the time and the effort that you guys put into it like Heil Sound is some of the coolest shit like you're competitive like uh, ash you're in a great position uh, uh, congratulations for the president thing man you thank guys you. are gonna do well for thank sure. you i totally appreciate it that means a lot coming from you dad yeah oh there it is <laughs> oh yo, he, he held that ace like till the last that's great last that's like when you go out in uno Blushing. right there yeah bam i love it ash thank you for for joining us and for chatting with us it's uh it's been really cool man to uh, Kyle's been talking about you for a long time, and I know that he thinks highly of you, so it's been a great opportunity to, to get to chat with you and get to know you a bit. Yeah, well, thank you guys very, very much for having me. 